Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Ah, yes, the defensive backs. This is a unit that has had some fantastic players come through. This is a position group that has generally generally been one of the strong points of the James Madison defense. Now, in 2021, there are some questions surrounding this position group. After they've lost nearly 57% of tackles from 2019 and 80% of interceptions. First, let's talk about the cornerback spot. They lost All-American Rashad Robinson, but they returned Taurus Carroll and Wesley McCormick. And they brought in UNC transfer Greg Ross. Ross has impressed in camp, according to reports, and is listed as one of the starting cornerbacks for week one, with McCormick starting opposite of him, and expect Carroll to get some playtime as the CB3 slash slot corner type. Ross is a redshirt senior and played in 24 games with 57 tackles at UNC, and McCormick is coming off a career high in tackles, tackles for loss, passes defended, and forced fumbles. Back at the safety spot, JMU returns MJ Hampton and Q Reed. And also they add Mr. Swiss Army Knife, Wayne Davis himself at the safety spot. Wayne Davis will be able to float around back there at the safety and make some plays on the ball. And I fully expect him to be in the Buck Buchanan award running when the season is all said and done. Before the two deep was released earlier this week, there were some questions regarding the secondary, specifically the depth. We knew they had a strong first line in terms of production and experience, but this is a spring season that is being played with COVID in the backdrop, and no one is sure how that will impact the position group. Now that the two deep is out, some of those worries are put to the side, as Signetti and company have figured out the best way to get all the players on the field while also keeping depth. I mean, MJ Hampton is being listed as the starting rover, whatever that means. A huge help for a unit with some questions surrounding it is the fact that the defensive line should be able to generate pressure and in theory, dominate the trenches. That should make their jobs back in the secondary, no matter who is back there, much, much easier. It's rare that a defensive line can lose two key contributors and still be one of the best position groups on a football team. But that is the case with JMU football heading into the spring. They will be without two of their better defensive linemen. Isaac Ukwu, Jalen Green, absolute menaces off the edge. They're out with knee injuries this spring. Mike Green, typically a defensive tackle, is going to slide over and play defensive end, according to reports from camp. He is one of the best players on this team, one of the best players in the entire country. 6'3", 285 senior, NFL potential on the defensive line. 
Alongside him at defensive end, you've got Antonio Colclaw, a Temple transfer. He figures to be in the mix, as well as Abby Nkonji, a redshirt sophomore defensive lineman, Minnesota transfer. Really talented player. You'll notice a trend here with some very talented guys who have transferred from FBS programs. You've also got Mason Cholowa, 6'7", 305, redshirt junior, UCF transfer. Expect him to be at defensive tackle. Really good player. Tony Thurston's a redshirt sophomore, 6'5", 272. Not the biggest guy in the world, but physical, strong, powerful. Somebody who can certainly work into the mix at defensive tackle. Also keep an eye out for Garrett Gruel, redshirt junior defensive lineman, 6'3", 260. Good player, can work into the mix. So they've got some options. They've got talent along the line. They are without two of their better players due to injury this spring but that does not mean the position group can't be dominant. All right, the linebacking group. This is a unit that had a lot of highs back in 2019, but just as many lows. I'm looking at you, Stony Brook game. They lost nearly 60% of all of their tackles, and they also lost key contributors like Dimitri Holloway and Landon Word. This season, Kelvin Azanama will start at Mike and Diamante Tucker Dorsey will be the starting will backer. Mateo Jackson will back up Azanama at the Mike, and I expect him to contribute heavily in run situations when the Dukes deploy three linebackers. That trio has plenty of in-game experience and just last season they combined for 82 combined tackles but they have just one start combined among the three of them. Azanama's a redshirt senior and he tallied four tackles in a game four different times. And back in 2018 was the scout team defensive MVP. Tucker Dorsey played in all 16 games last season and he tallied 32 tackles and recorded five tackles in three different games, including the Weber State semifinal game. And Jackson was used more in 2018 as a freshman under Mike Houston than he was as a sophomore with Signetti. But now in year two of the Signetti defensive system, Jackson should be able to take on a larger role and he is fantastic depth at the spot. The Dukes also have two freshmen that seem to have some really high hopes around them in Seth Naudela and Julio AML. They both are listed as backup will backers, but unless injuries or illnesses hit this group hard, I don't expect for them to see a lot of playing time. This is a unit that has the ability to be fantastic and provide a spark. With a fantastic defensive line in front of them, it should open up opportunities for them to shine. They have depth and in-game experience and they should be able to take that in-game experience and step into a starting role in week one and make this linebacking group theirs. What's for breakfast this morning? That's right, a big ol' helping of pancakes. With this JMU offensive line, expect pancake block after pancake block after pancake block. Skip D Hall, go to Bridgeport Stadium, you'll get what you need. They have an incredible offensive line this season. Looks like JT Timming is going to be the center for the Dukes based on reports out of camp. You've got Liam Fornato, maybe aside from Mike Green, the number one NFL prospect on this JMU roster. He's a senior, he's 6'4", 310 pounds. Knows what to do. Talented guy. Raymond Gillespie has a ton of experience. 6'5", 297, redshirt senior. Super physical guy. Truvel Wilson, a Richmond product, has played quite a bit for the Dukes over his time. Nick Kidwell is a guy that people keep bringing up. Redshirt sophomore. 6'5", 315. He is strong. He is physical for a team that likes to run the ball. Nick Kidwell figures to be in the mix. 6'5", 
Stanley Hubbard, redshirt junior, he's a UConn transfer, another guy who can get in there. Played at the FBS level. I know you're probably rolling your eyes, UConn, FBS level. But UConn is at the FBS level. Stanley Hubbard is a really good player going to a JMU program where he's going to have a chance to compete for championships. There's depth on the offensive line. There's talent. they got some exciting freshman prospects. But they've also got those veterans you would expect to slide in there, play a lot of football. Jake Glavin's another guy who could certainly find himself in the mix. So plenty of really talented guys, athletic guys. They fit exactly what Kurt Signetti wants. What Kurt Signetti wants is a team that can run the ball down an opponent's throat. When you have the level of offensive line talent that JMU has, they're going to be able to do that. This position group definitely has us the most excited. They returned 76% of their production from last season and 79% of touchdowns. This unit is absolutely stacked from top to bottom. You have Percy Ajay Obese, you have Jawan Hamilton, Latrell Palmer, Solomon Van Horst, and Austin Douglas, all of which could be standalone starters at any other FCS program in the nation and probably could break into rotations at a majority of group of five schools. Percy, he's slated to be the main workhorse. In 2019, as a junior, he led the team with 259 carries for 1,216 yards and 19 touchdowns. Hamilton is more of the speed back and will be second in the rotation. In 2019, Hamilton had 168 carries for 919 yards with five touchdowns. He brings the big play ability and the electricity. Solomon Van Horse and Hamilton have very similar skill sets and word on the JMU football street is that Van Horse will be included in the slot and as a receiver more often than running back. Douglas last season couldn't break into the rotation and was listed as a defensive back for the last half of the season. So we may not see him a lot during the season, but get excited for his future. And last, but certainly not least, is the Manimal, Latrell Palmer. That's right, we're dubbing that nickname now, the Manimal. Palmer last season played in just nine games, but in those nine games, he did enough to become the fourth on the team in yards. He was fifth on the team in touchdowns and third in yards per game. He battled through some injuries later on in the season, and if he can stay healthy for the full 2021 spring season, he very well could have some excellent, excellent numbers. Palmer will probably uh, fill the role of the ground and pound back and will be the short yardage back. He'll be kind of that primary third running back into the rotation, be the relief for Percy and Hamilton. And they do. Percy Ajay Obese is watching touchdown this season. JMU's best position group. Not really an argument from anyone. It's the specialists. You got Harry O'Kelly at punter. Harry is a tremendous kicker. The Australian has been around for quite a while now. He's a senior. He's on the FCS punter of the year preseason watch list. Didn't know that was a thing until just now, but it is. He's been solid throughout his career. He's obviously gained some some notoriety from his fake field goals. He's a fan favorite, really talented player coming back at punter. Also expects to come back from the fall alongside Ethan Ratke, a redshirt senior. He leads JMU in field goal scoring. He has a single season record for field goals and scoring. He's a preseason third-team All-American, according to stats. He's a really good player, a really talented player, reliable kicker, reliable field goal kicker. 
Obviously, O'Kelly's a reliable punter. Kyle Davis, expected to be a long snapper for them. Redshirt Jr. played in all 16 games last year. Didn't have one bad snap. Not one bad snap for Kyle Davis. So he's a reliable player. And they added Connor Madden, a Bridgewater transfer. He's a redshirt sophomore. He had 33 touchbacks on 76 attempts last year for Bridgewater. Expect him to be in the mix as a kickoff specialist. Very good player. Strong leg. If you can make it so you don't have to cover a kick, you get a touchback. Give the ball to the JMU defense. Let him go out there with the other team having to go 75 yards. is certainly an advantage. So the specialists, Harry O'Kelly, Ethan Racky, Connor Madden, all very good. Look for Solomon Van Horst to be someone who contributes in the kick return game as well. Well, JMU Sports News co-host Jack Fitzpatrick may doubt what the position can do. Don't sleep on JMU's wide receivers this season. Brandon Polk, gone. Riley Stapleton, gone. But in, you've got Scott Bracey, a Duke transfer, talented player. He's experienced. He's played at the ACC level. Figures to be in the mix. You've got Kendall Dean, who's been sort of waiting his turn. He's a redshirt junior now. Feels like he's been at JMU for seven seasons. Been around for so long. He's ready to contribute. Talented receiver. Good size, good length. You've also got Devin Ravenel. Been around for a while. Obviously, Brandon Ravenel's brother. We know what he did in the JMU uniform. Ravenel has very similar skills to his brother. Chris Thornton of VMI transfer was super productive at VMI. While it's not quite the same level of competition, he's someone who can come in and contribute right away. There are options at receiver. They're unproven. When you lose Brandon Polk, you lose Riley Stapleton, you lose so much production. There are going to be unproven options, but there's plenty of talent at the position. Moving on to tight end, obviously Dylan Stapleton, gone. But they do have Clayton Cheatham returning. He has 15 catches in his career. Five have gone for touchdowns. They had Noah Turner, a North Carolina transfer. Drew Painter has played a little bit for them. They've got three upperclassmen, Drew Painter, Noah Turner, Clayton Cheatham, that can all come in. They can block, which in Kurt Signetti's scheme might be more important than what they can do receiving-wise, but they can certainly catch the ball. Clayton Cheatham, a really good player and a really good threat in the red zone. So there are receiving options in these groups, wide receiver and tight end. They've got blocking ability. They've got size. They've got speed. Solomon Van Horse at the running back position. Could he also work into the slot? That seems like it's going to be expected. While he's not listed as a receiver, you might see him catching the ball quite a bit. So they have options at the positions. The options are unproven, but there's plenty of talent heading into the spring for Jamie's wide receivers and tight ends. After two seasons with Ben DiNucci as the Dukes quarterback, JMU found itself in the middle of an old-fashioned position battle between Cole Johnson and Gage Maloney. Now just days away from the season opener against Moorhead State, all signs are pointing to redshirt senior Cole Johnson finally earning the starting nod. Johnson was the favorite coming into the season, and he did enough to win the competition in preseason camp. Johnson has been a reliable backup his entire career and started his first game back in 2016 against Elon when Brian Shore missed the game due to an injury. In his first career start, Johnson went 12 for 13 for 274 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He's played in 22 total games his entire career, going 86 for 134 for 1,099 yards with six touchdowns and six interceptions. Johnson has had an interception problem in his career, but it isn't a small amount of games. 
Now with a full off season to prepare, he should, he should have that interception problem figured out. I mean, look at his one game where he had the entire week to prepare as the starter. Johnson has a strong arm that can stretch the field, which will be the most important part and a, probably a big reason why he beat out Gage Maloney. That strong arm will keep defenses honest and keep the running lanes open throughout the season and throughout a game. Towards the end zone, touchdown. Wow, he faked everybody out. That play was set up beautifully and he had a gigantic hole. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.